3: This is Forbidden Speech, The Raw Truth, with your host, Christina Rivera. In this savvy broadcasting series, we delve into hot topics affecting us all. With cancel culture and big tech censoring any opposing ideas and thoughts outside of mainstream ideology, it has become more important than ever that we tell the raw truth about everything from U.S. world politics, COVID, Christianity, and everything in between. We invite all points of view to come and share their perspective honestly and respectfully. Hi, Stephen Williford. Welcome to Savvy Broadcasting's uh, Forbidden Speech, The Raw Truth. It's a new series that brings forth some of the difficult conversations that, uh, need to be put on the table for us to just have honest dialogue about and uh, you work with gun owners of America at um, and actually my my husband is actually a gun owner and also a proud um, member of your organization as well. Excellent. Um, Yeah, but you know, some people might not remember who you are. You were in the news a a while back in 2017. There was a mass shooting at a church and you stepped in as a good guy with a gun, an AR-15, and you actually put a stop to it and stopped that guy from killing any more people, Um, you know, because people want to see just the bad side of guns. And there is another side to um, being a responsible gun owner and, you know, being able to help in times of difficulty. So our our chat today is, is it's a time to consider open carry so before we go there just share a little bit about your background what even brought you to you know to joining gun owners of america and that that wonderful crazy day that happened uh, and brought you to being a hero
2: well it was uh not a wonderful crazy day but it was, it was definitely a crazy day <laughs> yeah, right. I, i'm i was raised here in this community i'm fourth generation here my great-grandfather and my father worked on the dairy and I grew up uh milking cows by the time I was eight mm. and uh, we milked 100 head of cattle every morning and every evening mm. uh, my great-grandfather would take a, my brother and I out into the community because it's such a small tight-knit community even today we have under 600 total population mm. and uh, People from the city would always say, oh, well, I'd never want to live in a town like that where everybody's got their nose in your business. <laughs> and my response to that is if you don't have business, bad business, it's not a problem. Exactly. Because- As opposed
3: to living in a city where no one knows you exist. And, and I've quite literally seen old people die in their house for weeks on end and no one knew. That's a sad.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So in my community, when my great grandfather uh, would go out, he would know people that were struggling in the community. We would fix up a food basket and he would take me with him and my brother to deliver that food basket. He knew who was suffering within our community and would help out as much as could. And I never did think that it would be one day uh, when I had three very small children and I had just gotten unemployed through no fault of my own. I was sitting at home with my wife and children and there was a knock at the door.
3: Mm.
2: And I opened up the door and it was someone from my community bringing a food basket to me.
3: Wow.
2: That's who my community is. We're Mayberry USA. We take care of one another. Mm. Uh, And I grow up, I will never go anywhere other than Sutherland Springs, Mm -hmm. Texas to live. Uh, I visit the, the, the whole nation now but I never mm-hmm. wanted to be anywhere else than my community. And when a, a madman came in and started shooting and killing people in my community, mm-hmm. I had a responsibility to defend it. Mm-hmm. I grabbed an AR-15, ran across the street barefoot. And people seem to remember that. <laughs> so they call me, they call me the barefoot defender. <laughs> and, and I'm okay with that because just like the Israelites when they left Egypt uh, the Bible tells us that they left they the urgency to get out was so that they left without letting their bread rise. Hmm. And so now they have the Feast of the unleavened bread to mm-hmm. celebrate that and to let people know exactly what the urgency was to get out of Egypt. Hmm. So I've taken on the mantle of the barefoot defender because when it happens hmm. that kind of... Let you know how urgent it is to get into the fight that you don't have time to put your shoes on.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it really does. Now it's interesting. Uh, you we I, i'm also in a smaller community now than where i'd come from people follow my show no I, I originally was living in brooklyn new york a little bit bigger community um but people in the, maybe the cities in the outer edges of the country think well that's nuts you've got the police force you don't need to have neighbors running around with guns but as the cops often say we're usually eight minutes or minutes away from you know, uh, a crime taking place and, and often just to scoop up your body when when it's all done uh it's in it behooves everyone if at the very least if you're not going to want to carry a gun to have some form of being able to protect yourself and that's what goa is all about is for citizens to be able to protect themselves and each other and and work together to keep a safe community
2: you know there there's a man that wrote a book his name is chris Burke. Mm-hmm. And uh, the subtitle of his book is "When Seconds Count, Police Are Only Minutes Away,"
3: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, that's never more true. Uh, you know, the, we call police first responders. I don't. I call them second responders, and that is that's not to disrespect law enforcement because I believe law enforcement men and women in blue are charging into a situation willing to risk their own lives Mm -hmm. for someone they don't even know. But the fact is they're out on patrol looking for things to happen Mm -hmm. and they can't always be where the trouble starts. And most times they're there to mop up the blood, take the evidence and hopefully arrest someone for Mm -hmm. what happened. They can't always be there when you need it. And yeah. the best thing to have is a good guy or a woman with a gun here recently. in, I think it was West Virginia mm-hmm. um, was in West Virginia, uh, but a shooter started shooting into a graduation party mm-hmm. with an AR-15 and she pulled her pistol that she legally owned and took him out.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: where was, where was that in the media? The media didn't say a thing about that because no one other than the shooter died and it doesn't make, it doesn't fit their narrative and it doesn't make news when she may have saved a hundred people by taking him out, you know, but who knows how many people she might've saved And and it's just speculation. So the media doesn't want to report on that. And what a hero she was or is, Mm -hmm. you know, and she'll just fade away into obscurity because no one died. But but the shooter.
3: Yeah. And, and, you know, I'd like us to touch on the apatheticness of of many in culture today. Um, You might have seen recently in a New York City subway, a woman was accosted um, by another member on the train. And I think he was holding her hair or something. She was crying for help. And everyone on the train was just taking pictures with their phone and not stepping in. And in that case, he didn't have a gun to her, I don't think. But, you know, sometimes just the very nature of just stepping in and saying, Hey, you know, just speaking out. And uh, what do you think? Why has that come about in, in much of our culture? This kind of apathetic? It's not my problem. I'm not going to get involved.
2: Well, so, so many times and, and psychology has talked about this and, you know, nobody wants to make it their problem. Yeah. And, and so many times everybody just sets back and lets something horrible like this happen. And mm-hmm. I've taught several self-defense classes mm-hmm. before and I told people, look, they have proven that if one person steps up and takes the fight to the aggressor, mm-hmm. other people will join in. And I encourage people, be that person, be that alpha yeah. person that refuses to let innocent be beaten by, by evil,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, be that person to step up and other people will join in. Yeah. I'm just an old beat up fat guy, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. But if you see me running, there's a reason for it. I'm running into the battle, catch up mm-hmm. and help me out. You know? That's right
3: yeah i i love that that's so true and and there was a situation a a number of years ago i was on on the train in new york and there was a guy acting very peculiar 90 some degrees in august usually in august in manhattan it's 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 dire it's very very hot it's uh, insane down there it was probably about in the 90s down in the train and this guy was wearing about 10 layers of clothes and uh he was acting all weird like this and bulked up right around here with something that looked like he had a bomb on and uh so you know i just thought it was kind of weird but i said no one's saying anything to him so i just shot a picture like this me and him a selfie and sent it to the cops and then when he saw i was taking a picture he promptly got off the next stop and started to you know run out of the train station and it turned out he was he did have bad intentions but uh You know in that case i I didn't say anything to him but i i got involved in in a small way but uh it's sometimes just that small action will thwart a crime because most criminals they don't want it to be hard they want to if they're going to rob this car or rob you and you're walking around with your headsets on you're an easy target you know, pay attention to where you're going, and and in this case, to cause some problems in the in the train that morning. Well, if there's going to be obstacles or you know something making it difficult, they'd rather not have a difficult time at it.
2: So everything that com- Congress is considering right now,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and I, and I would challenge them to never pass another law when you already have a law that would have taken care of it. This shooter in Uvalde. Mm-hmm. For instance, they knew him. Mm. He had been uh, posting things that he was going to do on the internet. I saw that, and they did not. They did nothing about it. Mm. You already have laws in place that could take care of this kind of evil. Yeah, you. Know, you already have laws in place. I uh, the the shooter in Buffalo, New York. He he had his manifesto. His manifesto said that he was going to go to this particular part of New York because he knew that they had the lowest percentage of concealed permits in in New York. New York is a May issue state. So you have to jump through all kinds of hoops to prove that you need a reason to carry a gun. Your life, defending your life is not a good enough reason to Mm -hmm. own and carry a gun. So they have these laws. And and this guy talked about it. This guy talked about the fact that they have a 10 round magazine ban in New York. So he would not face anyone with the ability to have as many rounds as he did. They have a law against carrying an AR-15 or owning an AR-15 in New York. Yeah. He knew that he could take his AR-15. They said he 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 drove hundreds of miles to get there. Of course he did.
3: Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting, Stephen, they keep saying, you know, people who are against guns, let's make it harder for people to get them. They make this assumption that uh, criminals go to the local gun store and buy uh, legally their gun. They're really, like you mentioned, there are laws on the fact that you can't just walk. And just take a gun home. Uh, they do do a background check when you get a gun. It's not like they just say, "Hey, everyone, go get all your guns." They, you know, if, and if you have a mental illness, they won't issue one. But they say, "Add more laws." You don't need to add more laws because, uh, as it's a go, criminal, go.
2: I, I tell people, I said the guy in New York. I saw the video. He parked in a no parking zone. It's not <laughs> like he was worried about getting a ticket. Mm-hmm. He carried an AR-15 in. It's not like he was worried about getting charged with owning an AR 15 where it wasn't supposed to be. Yeah. It wasn't, he had high capacity magazines. He wasn't worried about your laws. Mm-hmm. So, all those laws com- combined, all they did do was ensure that the, the citizens of New York that he attacked could not confront him
3: and defend themselves.
2: Yeah. That's all they, those laws did is make sure that all the law abiding citizens were left unarmed and Mm -hmm. unable to, to stop him.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
2: I, I even thought of something because in his writings, he talked about, he went in and he looked at the supermarket ahead of time and he knew there were two armed guards He knew those two armed guards had on soft body armor and had Mm Glocks. He planned that. And probably the reason they had soft body armor instead of class three body armor that would stop the AR-15 is because the laws in New York probably said, oh, well, they'll never be confronted with something where they need class three body armor because we have a law against it here. Mm -hmm. And so that armed guard that faced him Mm -hmm was yeah. unable to penetrate his body armor that was class three and the armed guard had on class two body armor because he didn't think that anyone would break the law
3: yeah
2: to have something that could penetrate class two
3: yeah it's interesting it, thing it, to it, think it,
2: about isn't it
3: it's is totally interesting and and if you look at the most crime that takes place like chicago it's supposed to be a gun-free place a gun-free state but that's where most of the murders are taking place so it goes to show Citizens that are, I mean, um, illegal, what do you call it? Um, criminals are not going and getting legal guns. And, and then you hear from, you know, um, leftists say, well, you know, uh, if you got rid of all the guns all across America, then we'd be safe. Well, what, we get drugs only here. They go across the border and get drugs. We don't have illegal drugs coming across the border. So, I mean, it would never stop it. And plus, even if we say we got guns away from or made firearms non-existent on the planet, what? That's the only way to hurt a human being? You can't uh, make a homemade bomb in your kitchen or something. So no. uh, it, well, the, then, the arguments are kind uh, of nuts.
2: <laughs> okay, I have something uh, seriously, hmm. and I, I want anybody that says, "Oh, it's just a simple act to get rid of all the guns in America," but but let's think about this because uh, I I had a meeting one time with um, uh, A. J. Lauterbach. A. J. Mm-hmm. a. J. Lauterbach was Donald Trump's. Uh, presidential advisor on everything border security. Hmm. And let's think of this real, like A.J. Louderback. He's a sheriff Mm -hmm. of Jackson County, Texas. Mm -hmm. A.J. Louderback said the drug cartels have a $500 billion budget. Hmm. Does that scare you?
3: Yeah, that's nuts.
2: They have a $500 billion budget. And which, by the way, all the illegals that are coming across the border have to pay them $8,000 a piece to get across or agree to their terms of doing running drugs or prostitution and, and human trafficking on our side of the border to pay them off if they don't have the money to pay. Mm-hmm. And they all wear green armbands to make sure that everybody knows when they get over here that they paid the drug cartel. So that $500 billion is is growing daily. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lauterbach said, Let's play the liberal gun control out. Let's play Nirvana with drugs, uh, with guns. Mm-hmm. And let's say that the United States could ban all firearms manufacturing and everything else, and all the criminals and the good guys turn in their guns, which it's a liberal Nirvana. It won't happen. It won't happen that way. But let's, he said, let's play the game for a moment. And everybody in the United States turns in their guns, except law enforcement. He said, when we make a drug bust down on the border, we don't get semi-automatic AR-15s. He said, we get full automatic M-16s. We get rocket-propelled grenade launchers in those busts. So they're getting them through the black market. Uh, mm-hmm. However, they're getting them through the black market. He, and he said, we'll even play. We're going to play their game out even better. We're going to say we we can dry up the black market. Okay. That's impossible. But let's play the game. We're, we're fighting this out to the end. Mm-hmm. And now they have disarmed everybody in America, criminals and the good guys alike. And we've dry, dried up the black market.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So what did I tell you earlier? The drug cartels have a $500 billion budget. So they take $1 billion of $500 billion and build the best gun manufacturing plant this world has ever seen.
3: Hmm.
2: They employ the villagers around them to make those guns. And believe me, they would because they like the drug cartels. They take care of them and they give them good paying jobs. And now the drug cartels are the only manufacturing in America, South America, North America. They're the only manufacturing plant cranking out full automatic uh, firearms, the best quality that has ever been designed. And they give them to people, criminals, drug runners, and stuff mm-hmm. to do their bidding for them. And the bad guys have guns. And we have all just been disarmed. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's a scary, scary side. And people say, well, that's ludicrous. It's not, because you're messing with a lucrative business, a criminal lucrative business, and they're not gonna let that go down without a fight. They're not gonna say, oh, we're just gonna pack up and do something, you know, not criminal. No, they're gonna be like, we're gonna find a way to make our very lucrative business operate.
2: Now they're the rulers of the of the whole American continent. Mm -hmm. They are the rulers of the American continent. Why do you think they want gun control so bad? Mm -hmm. Because this is a possibility. yeah. This is a possibility. They could rule. So just recently in Mexico, so what what has happened is um, we're trying to control the the stuff in Mexico and the the drug cartels just continue to get better equipment through the black market. And just recently, the Mexican army faced the drug cartels Mm -hmm. and the drug cartels had the Mexican army outgunned. And they demanded the release of El Chapo's son. And the Mexican army was pinned down and released El Chapo's son.
3: Wow.
2: So they already have more powerful weapons and stuff than um, the Mexican army. Wow. And the only thing that keeps them at bay on this side of the border is the fact there's more good guys with guns than there are evil guys with guns. We still outnumber them.
3: Awesome. Yeah. And this is great food of thought for anyone who thinks, you know, limiting all guns will make all death go away. Um, Any child being harmed or picking up a gun by accident, hurting themselves. Uh, you know, kids do a lot of things They, you know, harm themselves, jump in front of traffic, whatever, there's many different ways a child could die. But to say that getting rid of guns will make one child not die. Well, uh, a drug cartel have killed plenty of children. And so uh, I, I have
2: I have a response to that, too. When they okay. say "Oh, the accidental deaths with firearms with children and and how is how do we prevent children from dying accidentally in swimming pools? And with bicycles and stuff, which has a higher rate of accidental death than firearms in this country. Did you know more children are killed every year accidentally drowning in a swimming pool than mm-hmm. accidentally shooting each other with firearms? Mm-mm. But that doesn't make the news because it's a swimming pool and we don't want to stop swimming pools. <laughs>
3: exactly.
2: You know? So we educate. We educate not only the children, but we educate the parents. If you're going to have a swimming pool, deny access to your children. You know, if, if you're going to teach a child to ride a bicycle, we teach them to put elbow pads and knee pads and helmets on. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's educating safety with swimming pools and with bicycles. Mm-hmm. And we refuse to educate our children about firearms yeah. uh, because it's not politically correct. And even though we refuse to do that as a society, more people, more children are still killed in swimming pools than with firearms by accident.
3: Yeah.
2: You know? Yeah. So, so what does that tell you?
0: Yeah.
2: That, that tells you that everything in this world is dangerous. Mm. And how you prevent accidental death or disfigurement is through education. We should be teaching
3: mm-hmm.
2: children in school firearm safety, whether they're going to ever touch a firearm or not. You take a disabled firearm into a classroom and teach the children to respect that firearm, teach them how to disarm that firearm. We teach swimming pool safety, bicycle safety. We should be teaching firearm safety just the same.
3: Well, this has been fabulous. There's so much food for thought instead of hollering, and screaming, make more laws, make more laws. Laws can't protect us in new statues in the books aren't going to protect us. I remember hearing the FAA when they started flying in, in the beginning days. Uh, in the early 1900s, there was just a page of just a couple of rules. And as more and more Flights came down. They add more and more rules. Now you should see it. It's like this thick. It's crazy. But those, you know, planes still crash because stuff happens. But more laws don't keep us safe. But education does. I loved having you come out here, Stephen. Where can people find out more about you, more about GOA? How can they do that?
2: Okay, go to uh, gunowners.org. Gunowners.org. Please sign up. We're in the fight of our life right now. And we're trying to keep this country, the same country that we grew up in and pass it down to our children. And we need, we need help. We are the only, uh, no negotiation. We've negotiated away our rights way too often.
0: Yeah,
2: It's time to take back those rights. Uh, so uh, gunowners.org. You can find me at The Barefoot Defender dot com the barefoot defender you can go see my website uh you can find links to where i spoke with donald trump behind me before seventy thousand people Uh, it was a crazy day wow links to the story and and things pertaining and uh you can book me to speak
3: awesome and, and we need to educate people and you're doing an awesome job. So, uh, Stephen, I just have to thank you again for all the wonderful work you're doing. God bless you for stepping in there in 2017 and also for continuing to educate the public. Uh, thank you for coming to Savvy Broadcasting Forbidden Speech. God bless. Like, subscribe and share this episode to listen to more Forbidden Speech or savvy episodes, visit SavvyBroadcasting.com To find out about our paid sponsorship opportunities or how to become a guest email Christina at LifeUnscriptedRadio.com